Hello. Welcome to the Fast God Stuff Podcast, where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun so that we can love God and others more. I'm Conrad, and I used to be an accountant. Nerd. And I'm Jesse, and this year I read 10,198 pages. Super nerd. (laughs) We're just two guys trying to follow Jesus, hanging out in the studio with our Bibles, and... We take just 30 minutes to chat about a theological topic and renew our minds with the good things of Christ. It's basketball stuff! So Conrad, what's on tap for today? Well, today we're going over how to make marriage awesome! Two, three, four! How to make marriage awesome! Because you're probably really bad at it! And we So we're talking about marriage round two. Two. What's the deal with that, Conrad? Well, in the introductory episode of marriage, it's impossible to do anything other than give a bird's eye view to the purpose of marriage. So today we want to bring the theoretical into the practical. So this episode also applies to those single and dating because why start your marriage off in a deficit when you can start it off strong and set yourself up for success? So if you haven't listened to the episode part one on marriage, go do that now. So most people, including 99% of Christians, believe that the goal of marriage is our happiness. As if God said, oh, I'm not sufficient to bring people true happiness. Oh, but getting married to a sinful human being, that's what's going to bring true happiness and solve life's problems. But replacing God as your true means of happiness is called idolatry. But a non-idolatrous marriage is a reflection of the true eternal spiritual marriage of Christ and his church. Christ's love is outward focused. Christ loves God and he loves others. So marriage is a ministry. Right on. So bottom line here, if you want to have a true marriage and a strong marriage, then your marriage should reflect Christ's love for the church. Meaning, do you want to have a good marriage? Then be like Christ. And what exactly does being like Christ mean? It means we strive to have both his character and obedience. It means we strive to love God and others as Christ does. So in life, God's goal for us, and therefore our goal, is to become more like Christ. And the fancy word for this is sanctification. So therefore, the goal in marriage is to also be more like Christ. So when we're looking for someone to marry, we are looking for someone who can help us be more like Christ more than if we were alone. Right. And if you're unmarried, this is the number one criteria you're looking for in a spouse. Ask yourself, is this person actively trying to be more like Christ? And can they help me be more like Christ as well? So the world would have you believe that the greatest criteria for a marriage is being in love. And being in love is all you need. Like, you know, you hear the Beatles songs. All you need is love. All the songs are essentially be in love and love will conquer all. Follow your heart. And which is the worst thing you could do. <laughs> because we're supposed to reject our sinful hearts because our sinful hearts reject God exactly. as the means to our happiness and try to replace him with an earthly romantic relationship with a sinful human being. Really... Christ is all you need, and being in a marriage relationship is only one possible tool to help you be more Christ-like. Right on. And being Christ-like means having all of the fruit of the Spirit as Christ does. And now, don't you think that these fruit of the Spirit traits are exactly what you would want to be present in an awesome spouse? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and humility. These are the exact traits that you should be looking for in a spouse. 
And missing any of these traits will cause an immediate problem in your marriage. Yeah, no, nobody wants a spouse that's faithful but joyless. Yeah, now take out faithfulness. <laughs> do, you want a, do you want a spouse that's faithless? Yeah, loving but has no fidelity to you. And probably the biggest one is lack of patience. Right. And in point of fact, that brings up a good point about how interconnected these are, mm-hmm. that one leads to another necessarily. You can't be loving and be faithless at the same right. time. Now, imagine if you and your spouse had all these traits, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, humility. Think how awesome your marriage would be. It would be a crazy good marriage. That's what that would be. So if you ever want to look at what the core problem in your marriage and your relationships are, it's just unchristlikeness. Unchristlikeness is the cancer in a marriage. And you could do a lot of little things to relieve the symptoms for a little bit, but until you address the cancer, the unchristlikeness, everything else is just covering a symptom but not addressing the cause. So it's ultimately not what we do, it's who we are. It's an issue of the heart. And if our heart is like Christ's, the actions will flow from that. And that's really important because many of us who would openly reject the prosperity gospel actually believe in it, but just in Mm -hmm. a different form. So sometimes we sincerely but wrongly assume that following divine principles assures us of experiencing marital bliss. Mm -hmm. That that's how you get it. If I do these right things, then I'm going to have this really happy, robust, loving, amazing, peaceful marriage. And that presumption is contrary to the principle of grace. So how would you understand grace? I think grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Right on. And it's a mechanical and legalistic viewpoint that believes that every good thing we do receives a good thing in return. Works-based. And grace is when God pours out blessings on men who do not deserve them. We wouldn't want God's blessing any other way. Like I wouldn't want to try to earn that Mm -hmm. grace, those good gifts of God, because I would never be able to get them. Yeah. So all that to say, marital bliss is not guaranteed. And it's definitely not on the basis of our faithfully following a system of rules or principles. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we forget is that we live in a fallen world, which again, sounds super obvious, but the implications are that marriage existed before sin came to the human race, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And Satan actually attacked mankind through marriage. And when God declared the consequences of sin, he actually did so in terms of marriage. So we should not expect our marriage to somehow be exempt from the consequences of the fall of man. We should expect sin to adversely affect marriage just like it does everything else. Right. It's freeing to know that God's grace is grounded in the understanding that we are sinners and our spouses are sinners. So we flat out know that our marriages will suck at times as we suffer the consequences of unchristlikeness, but we don't despair when our marriages are imperfect, but the opposite. We rejoice that in God's grace, he's actively sanctifying us sinners, making us more like Christ. And as we embrace his work, the byproduct are two people who love each other more in a Christ-like way. The byproduct of his grace through sanctification is a better marriage. Right. And contrary to worldly advice, the key to a biblical marriage is not the execution of specialized techniques applicable to just marriage alone. The actual key to biblical marriage is the possession of biblical attitudes Mm -hmm. and actions that apply to all relationships. Right. All right. So that's a lot of high level talk, Conrad. Mm -hmm. So let's put some shoe leather on this. How do we translate that into everyday life? So my starting point for marriage advice is one of the most obvious and simple things to do, but it is also the most ignored. And sometimes it's actually a little bit tricky to start. It's doing daily devotions as a couple. Because remember, the cancer in marriage is unchristlikeness, and it is impossible to be truly successful in being like Christ if you aren't in his word. 
Now, this is because of three main things that I'll just cover quickly. And notice how these things are necessary for your marriage. One, daily devotions help you know and love God more and his will for your life, which also helps your marriage. Two, you see life from God's perspective more, which helps you praise and thank God more and complain less, which also helps your marriage. And three, it helps you see your own sin more, which helps you remove sin, which also helps your marriage. Right on. So there's three major ways to approach doing devotions as a couple. The first way is you actually sit down as a couple and do the devotion together. This works really well if the two of you have the same work schedule and are both focused on the same issue. So typically what works best for this format is reading a devotional book or app together, not just randomly picking out a passage from the Bible and then looking at each other blankly after you read it. So doing it together doesn't work for some couples. So the second way is to do the same devotional, but at different times and then come together and talk about it later. Now, this is really cool because not only do you end up learning the same thing, but sometimes you actually learn different applications from the same thing as you learned together. And then uh, you should discuss what you learned over dinner or before you go to bed. Right on. The third option is the two of you doing completely independent devotionals. Now, this works really well if each individual has something specific they're really working on or dealing with, or they're just really excited to be learning about something in particular. And on a personal note, it brings me so much joy when I see my wife opening her Bible and doing her daily devotions. Nothing makes a woman more attractive to you. I mean, not to you, but to like the universal <laughs> you, <laughs> to me, than seeing her love God's word. Right. Because you're actually seeing the foundation of a good marriage right there. Absolutely. And if you need a recommendation for a devotional app, I have one of two that you could try out. I would suggest either downloading the Solid Joys app by John Piper. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> this is a really classy podcast on marriage. I really didn't mean to do that. Or, or get the Ligonier app by R.C. Sproul. And here's the big point with this. It's not just enough to read the devotions. You actually have to do something with it. So there's another step beyond reading the devotions. Exactly, because reading is primarily concerned with information, mm -hmm. but what we want here in a time with the scriptures is transformation. And because that thing rhymes, I think that would make a good song. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to sing this one. What, what just happened? Oh, but sing it like the, the lead singer of Creed, you know, the... <laughs> Not looking for information transformation we're not looking for information No idea. This is totally going off the rails. Somehow we were talking about being more like Christ, probably. I, that sounds about right. Okay, information not training. Oh, devotions, devotions. That's what we're doing. Oh, yeah. Step two, how do we get the devotions to actually change our hearts so we can get this transformation going? So step two is a very simple concept. It's we incorporate our devotions into prayer as a couple. We have to make sure that we make time to pray as a couple. Because one major problem that marriage faces is it becomes a me versus you thing. You have sinned against me. 
But we have to understand that we are not primarily sinning against our spouse. When we sin, we primarily sin against God, and then our spouse basically gets hit with the shrapnel of our sin. So praying together takes us from a me versus you thing to a us humbly before God thing. Absolutely. So when you are praying as a couple, make sure you are incorporating asking God for forgiveness as a couple. So when you pray, pray for these five things. One, incorporate whatever you're learning from your devotionals into your prayer. Two, ask for forgiveness for the fruit of the spirit that you're lacking in your marriage. Three, pray for the wisdom to figure out how to address your sin. Four, pray that you can show the love of Christ better to your spouse. And five, pray for the other marriages of the couples that you know. So here's the 15 second Fast God Stuff Summary. Only by becoming more like Christ can we have awesome marriages. And one of the biggest ways to do this is to do daily devotions together and then incorporate that into our prayers where we humble ourselves before God as a couple. And when we are more like Christ, we can better carry out our purpose as a couple, which is to love God and others more. Reprise! Platinum. Okay, so Jesse, what is a piece of practical advice that you can give? Give your spouse a voice. It's really wise to invite your spouse to speak into your life. But for that to happen well, you really must allow your spouse to speak freely and you have to listen carefully and you have to respond with careful reflection. So Mm -hmm. one of the ways I would encourage people to do this, and this is tough, is start by asking some questions. Maybe a question like, how can I better serve you as your husband or wife? Or... If you're super brave, you could ask, what is one sin you would love to see me address in my life? Or what are some things I do that make you feel unloved and what could I do instead? And the goal is to carve out some time, ask the questions, listen carefully, avoid prideful defensiveness, pray fervently, and respond graciously. Yeah, I like that because you're addressing a problem before it blows up. Because many fights arise out of suppressing an issue for too long till it finally is greater than your current level of the fruit of the spirit, such as patience and self-control. So how would you go about talking to your spouse about this? Well, I think the important thing is to recognize that this isn't meant to be a place where you just blame each other or even really get upset. Mm -hmm. The whole goal is to be open and honest, to lead to a place that allows Christ and the Holy Spirit to bring conviction and to bring healing and to bring growth. Mm -hmm. So I think it's definitely okay to set aside a night, make it a date night at home, maybe have a nice dinner, be relaxed. Don't do it at a time when you're really stressed out. but make each other aware this is going to happen. Like you can even laugh about the fact that it might be awkward or you could just say like two cartoons I listened to in a podcast told me that we should do this because it might be a good exercise. Like that, that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just making an invitable situation, making something that's going to be awkward, recognizing that it is going to be that way a little bit, but that's for your good. What do you think? Yeah. So you brought up prayer and I think this is the key because You have to start this time with your spouse first in prayer because through prayer, it's not a me versus you thing. It's an us before God thing because humility is the only way that this thing will work. So it's about being humble before God and asking God for forgiveness for the mistakes in your marriage. And you two are simply doing this together 
And your spouse is merely someone who is helping you recognize a sin before God that you haven't recognized yourself. So prayer brings you into a state of humility. I think part of the fun and adventure of marriage sometimes is having those types of talks. Even Mm -hmm. if we say, that's not the kind of thing I'd want to do every day. You don't have to physically pick up and move yourself across country with your spouse to have an adventure. You can have it by going into these deep conversations and really trying to promote a a new sense of intimacy and Mm -hmm. loving kindness toward one another that's Christ-like. Right. So here's the 15-second Fast God Stuff summary. The Christian's ultimate goal should not be to have a good marriage, but to be godly in his or her marriage. And a godly marriage is one in which the partners exhibit Christ in the marriage. And one of the ways we do that is by identifying our sin, seeking repentance, and glorifying God for Christ's sake. So Conrad, hit me with another practical tip for growing Christ-likeness in our marriages. So my second piece of advice to make our marriages awesome is to learn your spouse's love language. Have you heard of this? Yeah, some love languages. I love that stuff. So of course, we are called to love others, including our spouse, but love is complicated and there are a bunch of different ways to show love. Yep. And here's the thing. People show love and then they receive love in totally different ways. Like you could think that you're showing love by cleaning the kitchen for an hour when all your spouse wanted to do was sit down and talk about their bad day for that exact same hour. Or to cheer them up, you think that maybe flowers would be the best thing for them, but really what they wanted was a hug or for you to say, I love you. So it becomes a miscommunication of well-intentioned love. So the book, The Five Love Languages, identifies five different categories of love. The first one is words of affirmation, like good job, you look nice, things like that. Good job. Quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch, like giving hugs and holding hands. Stuff like cuddly stuff, which I don't do at all. <laughs> I wasn't sure where that was going. <laughs> so um, so this works for everyone, not, not just your spouse. Just think of your kids as they grow up. Like as they're a baby, it's just all about physical touch. It's just holding them and they just want to be close to you. Then as they get older and they actually understand what you're saying, then words of affirmation might start being more important than physical touch to them. So here's, here's my personal thing. In my mind, my way of showing love is acts of service. So I'm not big into giving hugs or I'm not like good at great at uh. conversation and stuff like that. And I think gifts are a complete waste of money. So, <laughs> for, so for me to show love, I'm into doing stuff, acts of service for my family. Like I'll pick up dinner or coffee or clean up after them. But what if that's not what they need? What if they just need praise or a hug? And here's the thing, even though I show love by doing acts of service, that doesn't mean I receive love in that same form. Because in my mind, I'm doing an act of service so my wife doesn't have to do that and has the time to do other stuff that she'd like to do. So if she does acts of service for me, then I actually feel guilty that she's doing something that I theoretically could be doing. So the love language is not about how one shows love, but how one receives love. So in my case, my love language is words of affirmation so that they can let me know that my acts of service are actually making a difference. Well, let me just say this. You're doing a great job, Conrad. Thank you very much. (laughs) What's your love language? (laughs) I think my love language is probably acts of service. Acts of service. And the reason why it's so great to speak about in terms of language is because we tend to show love to other people in the way that we like to receive it. 
And so what happens is it's actually a translation issue. Mm -hmm. And so we can frustrate ourselves and spin our wheels because we're doing all these quote unquote loving things, but they're not being interpreted that way to our spouse. So the great thing about this is while it sounds really plain, this is a great opportunity to get to know yourself and your spouse a little bit better so Mm -hmm. you can understand how to practically love them more. Right. And love them in the way that they're receiving love. Because I mean, and it could save you a lot of time because really- You could be doing like you could mow the lawn for two hours or clean the kitchen for an hour, and all they wanted was a hug. It's like, oh, great! If all I could have saved myself an hour, (laughs) and saying clean the kitchen, which I don't want to do in the first place, and all they wanted was a hug. And there's something wonderfully godly about that because it is actually being interested in what the person's need is Mm -hmm. and filling that need in a way that is selfless because it might not be the thing you'd prefer to do, and it might not be the way that you experience love. Mm -hmm. So my wife really loves gifts. That's her love language. And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with receiving gifts as your love language. Mm-hmm. And while mine is acts of service, you can see how we were trying to serve each other by doing the thing that we thought that person would appreciate. Mm-hmm. But really, we were just projecting what we really like to receive as love. And yeah. of course, we were just ships passing in the night. And that's what I think this book does a really good job of. So it asks you about like 30 different questions, and then it kind of dials in which one you are. So my... Mine were almost tied. Words of affirmation and quality time were my two top ones. Gifts was basically at the bottom. Acts of service and then uh, physical touch was absolute bottom. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Does this podcast count as quality time for me, for you? Yes. I love hanging out. Yes. I love doing stuff together. See, I'm learning stuff about how to love you. Yep. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> See, it doesn't have to just be about, and that, that it goes to show that because the core cancer is our not being like Christ, becoming more like Christ improves all of your relationships, exactly. including your marriage, your family, your friendships, and your relationships with your coworkers. We just had a real tender moment here. We did. I'm a little bit disappointed that it's probably not going to result in a hug though when we're done. Yeah, well, my hug score was one out of the 30 <laughs> questions. Like, words of affirmation was 10, quality time was 12, gifts was 2, acts of service was 6, physical touch, 1. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Conrad scores. And um, fortunately for me, Julia almost had the exact same scores. Wow. But that's great. At least now you know, and according to G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. Exactly. The other half the battle is shooting people in the face, <laughs> apparently. I always wondered what that was. <laughs> so, here's the practical application. It's actually a continuation of your first piece of advice. So after you read the book and take the quiz, take time out, humble yourselves before God in prayer, and then take your top two love languages and tell your spouse two things they could do that week that communicate best with your love language. It could be, when I get home from work, I'd appreciate it if we could talk about my day for a bit before we start dinner, or could you please take notice of how hard I'm trying at the gym, or maybe... Work is going to be really tough this week. I'd appreciate you taking care of my laundry. So here's the 15-second Fast God Stuff summary. Improving marriages is about being like Christ, and Christ knows how to show love particular to the individual. When our spouses receive love and encouragement, they are better equipped to go out there and to fulfill their purpose, which is to love God and others more. <laughs> okay so what is your 
what is your final tip for making marriages awesome? I think what we really need to do most of the time in our marriages is move from things that we should do for our spouse to things we must do. And here's what I mean by that. To me, marriage is a crossroads of should and must. So should is concerned with how rules tell us to behave, how we're supposed to think, what we ought to say, what we should or shouldn't do. It's this vast array of expectations that others layer upon us. And the great irony is we've actually said in this podcast, like a lot of things you should do. Mm-hmm. Must is totally different. Must is who we are, what we believe and what we do when we are alone with our truest, most authentic self. It's our instincts, our cravings, our longings, the things and ideas that we burn for, the intuition that occurs automatically and unconsciously. And so the goal is to be transformed in such a way by Christ that instead of saying, I should do this for my spouse, we say, I must do it because that's who I am. I cannot help Mm -hmm. but love them because Christ loved me. That's, I think, the best thing that we can hope for in our marriages and in all our relationships for that matter. Exactly. Because what we've been saying this whole episode is we have to be more like Christ. And when we are more like Christ, then what we do just flows from our Christ likeness. Exactly. So much of like the worldly, modern, contemporary marriage advice is about rehabilitation, Mm -hmm. which is nonsense because we need regeneration, not rehabilitation. (laughs) Oh, there's a song in there. There's a song about this, I think. (laughs) Wait, what is it? What is it again? Regeneration, Regeneration. not rehabilitation. Regeneration, not rehabilitation. We need some regeneration. Regeneration. Don't forget to tip your waiters and waitresses. But that's the real deal is... We want to get the mind and attitude of Christ. It's everything that we've been saying, but it culminates here. And the way that we do that is by meditating and memorizing scripture. And a really great way to get in the habit of memorizing some scripture is this little app for Android and iOS called Scripture Typer. It's really Uh awesome. You put in a bunch of verses, has pre-selected all these nice verses by subject, by strength or encouragement, and then it helps you memorize them. It gives you a schedule. It reminds you to review them. It's fantastic. And I tell you what, the best thing about God's word is how powerful it is in our lives. And so I think our challenge would be start daily devotions, start memorizing the scriptures and see what God does by his word because it's powerful and effective. Awesome. So here's the 15 second fast God stuff summary. In marriage, we want to be governed by love, not law. We want to love and serve our spouse, not because we feel like we should, but because we are so transformed by Christ that we must love them because we cannot help it. All right, so we've hit a lot of different things in this conversation, Conrad. Just sum it all up. So how do we have awesome marriages? By imitating Christ's love for the church. Everything that's wrong with our relationships can come down to us being unchristlike. And we can combat this sin by doing daily devotions and being dedicated to scripture as a couple. We then incorporate what we've learned and then take time out of our day and enter into prayer as a couple, where we look to transform marriage from a me and you relationship to an us humbled before God relationship. When we humble ourselves before God as a couple, it is then easier to work on better communication by giving a voice to our spouse 
by allowing for constructive criticism, as well as learning to show love to our spouse in the love language that they hear. The more we are like Christ, the more fruit of the Spirit enters into our marriages. And when we are more like Christ, not only will our marriages become more awesome, we will help our spouses and others fulfill their purpose better, which is to love God and others more. That's all the time we have for today, Conrad. Make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast. Fast God Stuff is a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. And please check out FastGodStuff.com for all kinds of content that will help you learn to sing like the lead singer of Creed. Until next time, love God, love others, that's that's it. it. Two, three, four, you're looking for we're looking for the transformation Not looking for rehabilitation We're looking for that regeneration Homer Neal Oh yeah Rob six feet from the edge And Rob Maybe six feet Ain't so hard out If the lead singer Please leave a review for our podcast saying that our singing voices brought you closer to God. (laughs) 